Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Um, if you've never been with us before, thanks for being here and spending your uh, Friday morning with us. And of course, if you've been with us before, happy Friday. Welcome back. And go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Um, that's actually uh, how we're able to keep this going. Uh, so if you want to support the channel, just go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on the, the videos there so that way we know what you like and what you don't like and um, all that fun stuff. Um, so if you've never been with us before, the What's Up webcast, like I said, takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. These are generally live episodes, so we have a chat going on, we can all have fun. Um, we cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to um, helpful tips and tricks on equipment and imaging. And of course, uh, we talk about equipment, which is always fun. And then, of course, the last Friday of the month, we'd have a special guest on to talk about their expertise in the field of astronomy. So we try to shake it up here all the time. Uh, well, this week is an equipment talk. We're gonna be talking about one of our smallest optical systems in our lineup. Um, it recently went through a revamp. It's got some new accessories with it, and we're gonna talk about that today. Um, if you have any questions about the What's Up webcast or just want to reach out to us about, you know, general inquiries, you can go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com, which is right down here. Um, if you have product questions and support questions, still use the support page. But if you have just general inquiries that might be linked to the What's Up webcast, use the info one. It's a lot easier to get um, a hold of us. Um, through that email address uh, when it's in regard to the What's Up webcast. Now, without further ado, we'll be talking about the Evo Guide 50. Um, some of you have probably seen this little guy uh, over the last couple of years. The Evo Guide 50 is our little tiny little ED refractor. Uh, that we've been offering for probably the better part of year or two, maybe longer. It's been a while. It's probably been a lot longer than I'm thinking of. Um, but let me just show you the specs here real quick. So the Evo Guide 50 uh, originally came in a finder style, so like a finder stock. And that worked okay, but we found that it would be better if we could use it as like a true refractor. So the DX has recently been released. Um, they're starting to ship. They're actually in stock at the time of this video. So you can go on our website right now and actually order one if, if you're looking for one. One of the few things that we have available. Um, if you're not familiar with them, they're a 50 millimeter ED doublet. And if you're not familiar with that, this is an ED doublet. So an ED doublet uses two lens elements in its objective lens to make the entire objective. And normally with a refractor, generally you would have two, but with an ED telescope, the rear element, at least for in our designs, there's some other designs out there that have used ED in the front element, but because it's more expensive glass, you wanna generally protect that. So it's generally the back element, is an ED doublet. Um, and the back element is a synthetic fluorite rear element. Synthetic, not real fluorite, or else it would cost way more than it does. 
Um, fluoride is really difficult to work with. It is the best you can get, but it's very difficult to work with and very expensive. Um, so that we use a synthetic fluorite that does a very nice job. And what this does is rather than being a acromat, you have similar little acromat refractors on the market, which work well, uh, but you get chromatic aberration, that annoying purple fringing around high contrast areas. Um, so it can make your stars bloated and it doesn't look great in an astrophotography image. So ED refractors or APO refractors use a ED element or extra low dispersion element in their objective lenses to help correct some of that color fringing, allowing all the major colors to come to focus at a closer point therefore eliminating or greatly reducing chromatic aberration in your image. So much cleaner image. And that's exactly what the Evo Guide does. It's kind of a tricked out um, little scope. So again, it's a 50 millimeter ED uh, doublet objective. It's an F4.8 um, focal ratio, which gives you 242 millimeters. So it's pretty, pretty short focal length. Um, it is longer than some of the other small guide scopes on the market, so you get a little bit more resolution out of it because of that longer focal length. The optics are fully multi-coated. This helps reduce any glare. Uh, this is important when you're actually looking for a refractor, and most modern day refractors have this. Uh, you wanna make sure your optics are fully multi-coated. I'm just telling you this from someone who works with factory and helps design these things that fully multi-coated is important. You wanna keep an eye on that when you're shopping for a telescope because that means all the optical surfaces on the lens are coated with these anti-reflection coatings, which means you're getting better light transmission and reduced glare on your stars. Um, and fully multi-coated doesn't just mean the front and the back of the objective, it means every single surface of the optics are coated. So this being a doublet, there are two elements in there, total of four surfaces. All four surfaces are coated. So there you go, gives you the best, uh, best star images and really reduces any annoying glare that might be uh, coming off of bright stars. It mitigates it to the best it can. I mean, you still will get glare if you've got filters and other stuff in the system, but that's just that. So that's kind of the basics of the optical system of the 50DX. Uh, as well as the ED, I would like to mention if you own an EvoGuide 50ED, like the older version, it's essentially the exact same thing. The DX just has a couple more accessories now in the box, as, and we'll get to that here shortly, but it's the same telescope. There's been no change to the telescope at all. So the 50ED that's been discontinued and the 50DX are the same telescope, just some extra accessories come in the box. Mechanics. Um, let's just go over the basic uh, mechanics of the scope here real quick. Um, this is right here actually up on the screen here. This finder configuration is what we call it because um, it has the finder stock. So it would like slide up onto the little finder bracket on your telescope. This is the original 50ED configuration. Um, now the DX has this plus the dovetail assembly which we'll get to in a minute. But um, so very, very basic little telescope. You've got the objective lens in the front, which is right where that green ring is. Uh, the dew shield on this is that black assembly just in front of the uh, green ring. Uh, that is fixed. It is not movable, nothing. So it's not retractable or anything. It's got enough 
uh, of a shield in there to protect it from dew and what have you. I guess you could put a dew heater on it if you really needed to in a heavy, uh, very long, sorry. An area that has a lot of dew, maybe consider putting a dew heater on there, but it's a very, very tiny little telescope, so you won't need a big one. But that's where the objective lens is. We have the finder style mounting foot. This mounts to all of the Skywatcher mounting uh, finder uh, brackets on the focusers or your Newtonian or whatever you got. It works with all Skywatcher telescopes as well as many others on the market. Um, it's a pretty generic style mounting foot that's on this. Um, if you want to mount it to something else, you might need to get a little crafty with another set of mounting rings or having a bracket made up or added to your telescope. But this would generally work with a large variety of telescopes on the market. We do have guider rings on this, so you can adjust the pivot of the actual telescope where you want it to go. And one thing I didn't point out here was these guide rings are actually, you can see them right here. Um, let me make sure I'm showing you guys but I'm trying to see. Um, you'll notice these little washers on the rings. Each of the adjustable screws has them. Those are locks. So once you're in position, you can tighten that down and that should keep the adjustment screw from moving. So there you can keep the position of the telescope where you want it to be at all times. And then the guide rings, I don't know if you can actually see them in there, but they are like a plastic or Teflon tipped uh, screw so it won't mar up your tube. And keep it looking nice so those are the guide rings um, so you can adjust it you're ready to go to piggyback on something else or uh, replace it in your finder bracket there for a guide uh, scope there so kind of a cool setup uh, for this particular scope in the back we have a helical focuser uh, this is a non-rotating helical focuser now what that means is the tube or the focus tube isn't going to rotate when you focus it. There are some helical focusers out there where when you go to focus, the whole tube spins, which means your field of view is going to spin as well. Makes it kind of annoying when you're trying to frame up something. I guess if you're using it as just a guider, it's not a big deal, but on a premium system, you don't want that to, to move, especially something like this that's probably intended for astrophotography. You want to frame up your object so the helical doesn't move uh, or rotate the actual uh, assembly. Uh, the threads on this are very fine, so it takes a while to get focused, but it allows you to get very precise focus. So kind of a cool thing. Another thing that's on the telescope is this little side knob. That's a focuser lock. So once you are in position and focused where you want it to be, you can lock down the draw tube so there's no movement on it and you can maintain that precise focus throughout the night, um, whether you're imaging or guiding or whatever with it. And we also have an extension tube. Uh, the extension tube here I think is 39 millimeters. That's how much actual physical extension it's going to give you. Um, it has 42 millimeter T-threads on the back of it and also has inch and a quarter capability for cameras and such. Um, they're also, I didn't point these out, these little silver ring uh, knobs back here, those are locking screws. So if you have a guide camera in there or you're putting an inch and a quarter accessory in there, you can lock those down um, with the screws. Otherwise you wanna back them out so they're not in the optical path um, when you're using it. If you have the chance to get one of these or see one, 
um, you'll generally want to back those screws out. Uh, the extension tube is removable. Here's here's the back of it. It's just standard T-threads. Um, here's my other one here. You can see right there, this one obviously I've had for a while because it's been out in the sun, but you can actually remove this uh, extension. It's all standard 42 millimeter T-thread. So really basic common threads to, to do whatever you want with um, on that. So. We try to make it as flexible as possible for the wide variety of cameras and accessories you might want to put on the telescope. Now, again, this was the finder style, and we're going to get more into the, the actual setup of this here shortly. Um, but we also have this. This is the DX uh, version. Here's all the accessories it comes with. But um, you get the finder bracket, which is still... Let me just bring all this up. You get the finder bracket comes in the box. You have the parafocal ring. Um, what the parafocal ring is used for, it's an inch and a quarter ring. It generally slides on like your little guide cameras. I don't think I grabbed one ahead of this. Oh, here we go. I don't have the guide ring though, but you know, something like a Starlight, you know, Express Guider, like a Lodestar or Ultra Star or a ZWO Mini or QHY-5s, you know, I call them shotgun shell guiders because they look like a shotgun shell. Um, but those little inch and a quarter guiders, if you are guiding with these and you want to get focused and then you have to disassemble everything, this parafocal ring will slip onto the outer housing of there so you can get repeated focus positions each time. You know how far this is supposed to be seated inside the focuser in order for that to come to focus uh, in the correct position. So that's the parafocal ring, that's standard. And then of course the DX now comes with this Vixen style or V style mounting plate that makes it really easy to mount to a wide variety of mounts now so you can actually use it as an imaging system. Um, so kind of a cool little um, arrangement there. So that is uh, the accessories that come with it right now. Um, so you get the finder bracket, parafocal ring, you get the telescope, the extender on the back there, the V-style dovetail plate, and it does have some metal cap on the front and plastic cap on the back, and then you get that in a cool gift box. So that is the EvoGuide 50DX um, APO refractor. Now, configurations. Uh, there's a couple different ways to configure this uh, nowadays because we have the DX version available. Uh, the first one, like I said earlier, is the finder style mounting. So the really popular guide scopes nowadays, especially if you have a small system, is these finder style guiders. They're, they look like a 50 millimeter finder scope or something like that and it just slides into the focuser. Let me see if I, yeah, here we go. Uh, just slides into the focuser uh, block there. Uh, most of our focusers, many other companies have a finder scope that will mount to their telescope. Um, this would replace your finder scope. And then you have a nice convenient uh, guide, guide scope to go on your system. This is great if you're not really in need of a big guide scope. Let's say you have like one of our 72 millimeters or the Esprit 80, or you just 
you don't need a big guide scope. A lot of the popular imaging telescopes on the market nowadays are these small, probably 100 millimeter or smaller refractors. And you either A, don't need a big guide scope, and B, you don't have a lot of room to attach a guide scope piggyback to your system. Uh, a lot of times a guider used to be like these little short 80 millimeter Acromat refractors. Those work well, but it's still a three pound, you know, 80 millimeter, three inch telescope that you've got to adapt rings to and throw that on top. And you don't really need all of that at this point with a lot of these small uh, telescopes, especially with the resolution of some of these modern day guide cameras um, with their incredibly small pixels. You don't need a lot of long focal length uh, guiders anymore for the majority of the popular telescopes on the market. So the, the 50 millimeter guiders, these little finder guiders are really convenient because they don't add a lot of weight to your system. You don't have to come up with a piggyback rail and invest a couple hundred bucks in guide rings and all this extra hardware to piggyback. You can just get one of these and slide it into the finder scope bracket on your focuser, lock it into place, and you've got a convenient little guide scope ready to go for all of your guiding needs. So it, it works really well on there. Now the other configuration here is the, I call it the telescope style mounting. Um, that is the Vixen style dovetail that comes on it. Um, you know, if you ever wanted to work with this on a more traditional sense, like maybe you did want to piggyback it or Maybe you need to do a tandem plate where they have to be side by side. Um, there's more need for having a traditional dovetail plate to be able to mount that to a wider variety of mounts and accessories. The finder style bracket works really well for what it's intended for, but it also limited what we were able to do with the 50. So that's why the factory came around and re-engineered this and looked at it and came up with this uh, V-style mounting uh, assembly uh, to basically give you more options to use this as a traditional telescope beyond just having it be a little guide scope because there's so much more that the 50 can be used for than just a guider. Obviously, it's got some premium optics in it in comparison to some of its um, competition. So a lot of people question why, um, and we're going to get that here in a little bit, but it it's really helpful if you want to actually treat this as a traditional telescope to have a true mounting uh, assembly to do it. Um, we have had people continuously ask if we're going to sell this bracket assembly. Um, we're looking into it, but of course right now at the recording of this, we're still dealing with supply chain issues. Um, so getting stuff and answers takes a little bit longer, but we are looking into it. If you have an older model, um, I do have a, a little thing I'm going to show you at the end that will address um, what you're looking for probably faster. Um, but we are looking into this bracket here, um, maybe making it available through our parts department or something like that. So we'll we're looking into that. Um, but I, I do have an answer for those of you who would like to take your standard Evo Guide 50 and mount it in kind of a similar configuration. I'll I'll show you guys that towards the end here with some accessories that are available for the 50. Now, the other method we have, of course, like I said earlier, is the telescope style. 
and this allows you to get more mounting capabilities out of it um, such as this here's a little 50 uh, DX it's actually mounted to the side of our Esprit 150 um, out in an observatory configuration but we have it mounted up here on the side you can still use it as a guide scope this way or um, we actually use it as a wide field imager that little guy right up there and it works really well if you're looking for a really wide field imaging system the 50 works quite well for that and we're gonna actually go actually brings us to our next uh section here which would be the evo guide 50dx applications or what you could use the 50 for uh one of the most common questions right now i already see that it's in the uh, chat there is visual use there's some roundabout ways i guess you could make it work um, right now the the 50 has very limited focus travel so it's not really designed for visual use i've tried it um, if you go straight through you can get some of the eyepieces to come to focus but if you're using a diagonal there's not a lot of focus travel to make it work it might be interesting if we could come up with some kind of special diagonal to address that maybe it's got some kind of a, a lens assembly and a prism to make that work but uh, because of how short the focus travel is for the 50 there's it's difficult to get everything to come to focus it's not like a traditional like the evo star 72 for example has much more focus travel because it's got a traditional focuser on there so you can actually get that to work uh, very smoothly with a wide range of eyepieces where the 50 is is very limited for visual applications um, due to its focus travel you can use inch and a quarter accessories in there um, you know there's the extension tube right there it's you know just standard inch and a quarter there's three set screws in there that can lock whatever you want in there i have seen people use this for visual i think you got to put a barlow in there so it's going to extend the focal length more but i don't have all the ins and outs of how to really get this to be visual because it's not really intended for visual so use at your own risk um, risk I don't know it, there's nothing risky about it but try it on your own see what you can if you want to use it for visual um, it'd be kind of a super finder if you could get it to work um, but maybe we'll have some discussions with the factory about that in the future to see what we could do now the intention the original intention of this uh, little thing was to be used as a guider and kind of like a super guider um, the nice thing about this, which I mentioned earlier, is that the Evo Guide is one of these little finder style guide scopes. They're lightweight, they're easy to mount. You don't need a bunch of extra hardware or rings on your tube to piggyback that. Um, you know, there's that's what it was really intended to meet, was to be a very premium guide scope. And to be able to be used in the finder mounting of your telescope. And like I said earlier, this is ideal for those small telescopes, a lot of these little small refractors, and you want to do auto guiding and you don't have a ton of room, one of these would be perfect for that. Now, the big question a lot of people actually had when we came out with this is why the heck do we need ED optics on a guide scope? A lot of these little tells a lot of these little guiders work great on their own. Um, and they do good for that one application of auto guiding. Um, but 
you're kind of missing, you're putting all this extra weight on your telescope, so you're missing some opportunities there. And that's kind of where the 50s um, thought process came into play. So from a guiding standpoint, ED optics are going to reduce the star bloat. You're not gonna have any of this chromatic aberration making bigger stars. You're gonna have tighter stars. And what that means is producing tighter star points is allow you going to guide on dimmer stars because all the light is focusing down to really tight points. Um, a lot of times what will happen when you're using these uh, Acromat versions of these finder guiders is, yeah, if you've got some bright stars in the field, you can lock onto that, um, but you might be limited in dimmer areas of the sky because they cannot lock onto the fainter stars because those stars are blown out and they're not really to a focused point. So an ED-based uh, guide scope has tighter stars and allows all that light to be focused down to a tighter point, allowing you to have a much larger collection of stars to choose from in your guide image. So yeah, you can still get that bright star here, but if you don't have a bright star, you can probably select a wider range of stars in the background there that are dimmer because the stars are actually coming to a tighter focus and you have a bigger selection to choose from. That could be really beneficial for this new PhD um, multi-star guiding that's out because you have a, a larger selection of stars to work with. So that would be from a guide scope advantage why ED optics on a guider might be of interest. Now, the, the big thing with this, however, is it can double as a wide field astrograph. So let's say you have an imaging system, maybe like a popular 80 millimeter refractor that's, you know, five, six, 700 millimeters. Maybe you have a four inch refractor. You've got something that you need a guide scope for. Even up to a thousand millimeters plus, you could use one of these on as a guider. So let's say for just argument's sake, you have a four inch refractor that's got 700 millimeters of focal length. That works perfect for a lot of objects, but maybe not everything, especially those crazy wide objects. So you buy one of these guide scopes, you chuck it on the finder bracket or you piggyback it or whatever you do, and that's all that little thing is going to be. It's just going to be a guider. But what happens when you wanna image a big chunk of the sky? You have to completely reformat your entire setup because your telescope of choice doesn't give you that field of view. So you have to dismantle everything and switch it up and go to a, a shorter focal length system or a telephoto lens or something like that. You have to basically reinvent your setup to get that wider field. That's a lot of work and that might be kind of annoying. So wouldn't all of us like to have a multi-purpose system. I know when I'm using my gear, I wanna get as much out of it as possible. You know, the more of a Swiss Army knife style setup you've got, the better, because it gives you so many different things um, to do. And let's be, let's be honest, a lot of us are on a limited budget. You know, if we're spending money on something, you wanna get the most out of what you want, what you get out of that. So. The nice thing about something like the 50DX is it's not just going to be one of these tiny guiders that, great, it's a guide scope, that's all it does. But you can double down and actually switch it up, put some flattening optics on the back of it, and boom, you have a 242 millimeter wide field 
imaging telescope as well. So your guider is not just a guider anymore. It's an actual imaging system. And that's where we get into imaging. So like I said earlier, this doubles as a functional wide field astrograph. It's at 4.8, that's crazy fast for an astrograph. Um, and all you have to do is put an, a field flattener on there. And there's a couple different field flatteners we're gonna talk about here. So at 242 millimeters, it's at 4.8. All the flatteners I'm about to talk about um, will make a flat field image for this. And it has a maximum field of 5.56 by 3.72 degrees. Um, that's a chunk of sky. So uh, the maximum that this telescope can handle with its available correctors, because all these correctors have a 28 millimeter image circle, would be an APS-C you know, crop sensor image. So anything from that and smaller. So right now, one of the most popular sensors on the market of that size would be like the ZWO2600. Um, this would basically be your field of view with Andromeda with this system. That's a massive chunk of sky. So now that tiny little guider that's taking up space on your system is not just a guider. It's a guider that's gonna give you really tight stars and a wide variety to work with, but you can also switch it up to where you can guide with your main telescope, or you can switch it up and actually shoot through the guide scope and actually take some nice images through it. So now you have this hyper wide astrograph where you can get all of the all of Andromeda. You can get a big old chunk of Orion. Maybe you could get both the horse head and I haven't done the the math on that. Um, but you could get the horse head and the Orion Nebula in close to one frame, or maybe a, a pretty small mosaic, a two panel mosaic, you could do that. Um, but there's a lot of objects that are up in the nighttime sky that benefit from having this short focal length. And you see a lot of little telescopes coming out that are actually pushing towards that. A lot of people want smaller, more compact, systems to be able to take out into the field and with the modern cameras coming out today with these tiny little pixels you don't need these big long focal length systems anymore you can still get something short match it with a tiny set of pixels on a sensor and you can get some pretty high resolution images out of that as long as you're matching up the focal lengths there so five and a half degrees by three and a quarter degrees you know, the entire Veil Nebula complex, the North American Nebula, um, you know, it's part of the Barnard Loop, the California Nebula, all these majorly wide field objects are now easy to fit in one shot. So it's, it's quite a wide field setup there. So um, like I said, it's up to APS-C size sensors. Um, like DSLR, crop sensor DSLRs and mirrorless cameras and all the popular basic cameras that are out on the market for astronomy purposes. Now, there's a couple different flatteners that we're gonna talk about that are designed for this telescope here. And uh, the first one I'm gonna talk about is ours, the EVOGUIDE 50ED field flattener, and then we're gonna talk about the Starazona EVO FF. So first off, we have our flattener. This is our flattener. Um, these 
think they're back ordered right now along with everything else um these are just a tiny little you know metal machined uh flattener they have a 28 millimeter image circle so those aps c sensors will work the back focus on this is 17 and a half millimeters which is really short i do understand so there's not really any option to use filters um but if a lot of the pop a lot of people think that's really short which it is however if you're using a lot of these modern day cameras like zwo or qhy or starlight express um, a lot of them have short focus distances already so this is a 694 starlight 17 and a half millimeter back focus you just thread this little guy right onto the camera with the T-threads there. And then it's all ready to go. And then this mates up to the back focuser of your Evo guide. This is all threaded connections, so it's nice and solid. And there you go. You've got your Evo guide 50 now ready to go for imaging uh, right there. So that's our field flattener. Um, it can handle up to crop sensors. So if you do have a ZWO 2600 or something similar, it would work really well for that. Uh, but there is, there's not really a way to get a filter in there um, effectively, unfortunately. So, uh, but it works as a great uh, corrector for getting those wide field of views. And they're not that expensive. They're under a hundred bucks, um, but you can go on our website and check that out. Uh, but that is the Evo Guide 50 uh, field flattener available. It works on both the, the, because the telescopes are the same, if you have the original version or the DX version, it works on both of them, no big deal. Um, kind of a cool thing to add to it. Uh, Take some pretty nice images too. These are all with uh, the ZWO294 uh, one-shot color. This was all piggybacked on that image earlier I showed you with the little 50 hanging out on the side of the 150. That's what we're using it for. We have an Esprit 150, big full frame camera, but there's a lot of area of the sky that needs a really big chunk we want to cover. So the 50ED is actually being used as a ultra wide field imager. It could be doubled down as a guide scope, but it is um, a wide field imager. So. This is with the ZWO294, so it's not taking advantage of the full 28 millimeter image circle, but it does a nice job. This is the entire frame there, so you can see you've got the lagoon and the trifid and the dark regions that head out there and a massive star field. Um, it, it works really nice. So, and then we have the Sadir region up in Cygnus. Uh, so you can see there that it's you know, very wide field. Um, these are just like hour long exposures, you know, stacks, you know, like 12 five minute images, no filter. This is a Bortle two sky, very dark uh, location, but it, it does a pretty nice job at handling, you know, these star uh, fields. So you can see most of the stars are, are pretty nice all the way to the corners there of the, the 294, which is a four third sensor. So we're not maxing out that field of view, but it does a pretty nice job. Um, and then of course you have Andromeda. You can see just how easy it is to frame a big object in this little thing. Um, you know, in our larger system, the Esprit 150, even with a full frame camera, we're not even able to, we can get the galaxy, but we cannot get the entire surrounding field. 
Andromeda is one of those objects that looks really nice when it's framed up with some space around it. At least that's my opinion on it. Um, and there's a lot of faint wisps that come off of these objects that tend to get cut out if the field is too tight. So what's nice about something like this because of how wide it is and with such a big sensor on the back of it is you can get a big old field of view and these objects frame beautifully in that. So, you know, for only an hour's worth of data, you know, you got some nice dust lanes in there and we're really, the sampling on this is crazy for this one. Um, I think we're running almost four arc seconds per pixel at one by one bin. So it's not as sharp as it could be if we had a higher resolution camera on the back of it, but it takes a very nice image you can see the color correction on the stars um, is very clean. Um, this is just a basic stack stretch and we I don't do a lot of star reduction. I don't do any star reduction or color adjustments on the stars. So this is natively what that image looked like, but um, it works very nicely as a ultra wide field uh, imaging scope. And the advantage of that is it's also cost a lot less. So if you wanna shoot at 250 millimeters, there are options out there. Um, but even the cheapest option from this, you're looking at maybe like a used camera lens at that point, and you're still probably five or 600 at that point. Um, the nearest small refractor, you're in the almost $1,000 price range. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of a budget friendly. It can't handle full frame, but I mean, it's a tiny little telescope. There's only so much I can give you in a little package. Um, but it does really well for the, the general sensors on the market and doubles as a guide scope for you too. So kind of a cool setup. Now, the original field flattener that was made for the Evo 50 was made by our friends at Star Arizona. Uh, this was a couple years ago. They've had a lot of fun messing with the 50ED, so we've been really uh, grateful that they've been so supportive of it, um, designing their own accessories to go with it. Um, but they were the ones that originally came out with a field flattener for it. They started with the Evo FF, um, this little inch and a quarter uh, field flattener, just slid into the back there. Uh, this one was nice, but it had a very limited... Um, you know, very limited back focus. Well, this week, they just came out with their new version of the Evo FF, and we were lucky enough that they were able to send us one just in time for this video. Um, I didn't know they were in until like a day ago, but these are available now. This is the new Evo FF flattener from Star Arizona, and here's the specs for this guy, and they are available right now. Big advantage of this is it is threaded for inch and a quarter inside the barrel there, and it has 55 millimeters of back focus on this thing. So what's cool about it is you've got this little ring there. This just slides into the back there and threads into the focuser, goes inside. Standard T-threads on the back, and now you've got 55 millimeters of back focus, which means you can put a feel, you can put a, you can put a DSLR on the back of this. You can put a, you know, it's still that 28 millimeter sensor size. So you're limited to the crop sensors, but you can put a filter wheel on it now. 
Um, there's a lot of options with the new Evo FF flattener from Star Arizona. That is another option um, available um, through them. They are in stock. I think they're like a hundred bucks. You could call Star Arizona, but they are available. Um, and that is the new Evo FF from Star Arizona. So big thanks to them for being so supportive of this uh, system. Um, but if you're looking to really maximize it, um, and because ours aren't available at the moment of the recording of this because of inventory, um, we do have 50 DXs in stock, but if you actually need a flattener for it, um, not a bad option to go with, especially if you want to get the maximum capability with that back focus. Does a really nice job. You can see that whole North American Nebula is no problem. And of course, Orion looks fantastic um, on that as well. It's just a massive, massive chunk of sky um, that these can cover. So that's really the advantage of the 50DX is it's, it's not just this cheap little guide scope that you stick on your telescope and that's all it does. Nowadays, we want more out of what we're investing our money in. If you can get more use out of a single piece of equipment, then that's a better investment. So the 50DX goal is to be that. It's not just gonna be a small guide scope. It's gonna, give, it's gonna be that guide scope, plus it's gonna give you your hyper wide field of view for shooting those big chunks of sky. Or maybe it's a simplistic little grab and go imaging telescope. Works good on a star adventurer or a small lightweight mount. Um, and it, so that's really the goal of the 50DX. Um, they are available right now. Now I did mention for those of you who were looking at, um, I'll just wrap this real quick, but um, really quick before I get to this, if you liked what we're doing here, go ahead and subscribe. If you have any questions about the webcast or things of that nature, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. If you have technical questions or issues, um, go ahead and email us at support at skywatcherusa.com if you have any questions. Um, let me see on the weight. Um, it is not too much weight for a Star Adventure. A Star Adventure has a maximum payload of 11 pounds. This is only a couple pounds. Um, it's far below the payload limit of a Star Adventure. So let me just check this real quick. don't have everything in front of me it's only a couple pounds i think it's less than two pounds for the whole thing yeah maybe two two and a half pounds with the the larger dovetail plate on there but um a lot of people lately let me just blow this up real quick a lot of people lately have been asking me about obtaining this um, assembly the dovetail assembly they have the older version what do I do or hey I want to image with the 50 how do I do that um, how do I piggyback a guider on it um, I do realize the guide rings have their limitations as well so Star Arizona sent this to me um, I didn't know this was actually coming but uh, they've seen them make this before I had one before but this is a new version of it this is a 3D printed clamshell assembly for the 50. So you'd remove it out of its little guide rings and you have this clamshell. It's got a bunch of different holes on the bottom there so you can mount it to a 
bunch of different uh, brackets. Uh, the Evo dovetail plate, if you have an Evo DX, you can get that dovetail that mounts up there. Uh, Los Monte dovetails, their clamps, all that stuff. There's plenty of quarter 20 holes on the bottom there. Um, got four mounting spots, four mounting bolts to keep that uh, tight. And then on top, you have the standard uh, Skywatcher style finder bracket there with these two screws. So you can easily then piggyback a second one on the top there. So that's kind of a cool little thing. Again, these are from Star Arizona. You'll have to call them and ask them about the price on that. But um, if you just want an easy way to mount your 50 to some various different things, um, it's a 3D printed clamshell. I'm sure it doesn't cost that much, but something cool to see um, if you've got an older version of the 50 and you need an easy way to mount that. So that is the uh, little clamshell mount from Star Arizona. Go ahead and give them a call or the Evo FF if you're looking at their flatteners. Um, but those work uh, really well there. Now that pretty much wraps up the Evo Guide DX uh, webcast. I know it's a little bit early, um, but hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if you're looking for one at the recording of this, they are in stock. You can go on the website right now and buy them or any of our dealers. I'm sure you can get them right now uh, while supplies last. Um, we have more shipments coming in, of course, but we have a ton of them right now. Uh, but yeah, it's an excellent little guide scope for your imaging system. And if you're looking for just a small, lightweight, compact imager that doesn't cost a fortune, um, a few hundred dollars, go ahead and pick up one of those. Hopefully that works for you. So that's pretty much it for the Evo Guide 50DX. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Next week, we're talking about SkyX. Um, SkyX is a software from the company Software Bisque. Um, this is the software we use. I get a ton of questions about all these other things um, available on the market, you know, Stellarium and Maxim and Nina and all this stuff. And quite frankly, there's too many softwares for us to just keep up with. So we have a lot of people asking, what do we use? How do we use it? This is the software that we use. I will show you how we use that with SynScan. Um, because it, we actually worked with them to have a SynScan plugin for it. And so we're going to take a dive into that. I'll show you all the advantages of it and why we like to use it. And that will be next week's episode, a crash course in the Skyx software um, using your SynScan GoTo Equatorial. And hopefully that'll answer some questions for some people that are looking at that. Um, but that will be next Friday's uh, video. So we hope to have you on for that. Hopefully that'll be um, educational for some of you guys looking out there. So uh, that's pretty much it for today's webcast. I know there is some questions though, so we're gonna dig into them. Um, answered this one earlier, but um, I will see if we can get some kind of finder visual thing for the 50ED from the factory. Um, right now things take a while to get done, but I think it would be a worthy thing to make this a, a high-end finder. It just maximizes the capability of the telescope in general. Um, so thanks for that. We will see what we can do on that. Uh, can you tell me something about the Evolux? Will it be available this year? Um, for those of you who don't know, we have a new ED doublet line that we have talked about in some of our Neef videos. 
the Evolux series is a higher end doublet line that will fit between fit above the uh, Evo Star series and below the Esprits. They have retractable dew shields, bigger focusers, compression rings, um, all that fun stuff. Um, right now the models are 62 and 82. Um, there are some designs to go bigger, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that series got delayed because of COVID and raw materials, which is really the big issue right now is raw materials because that market got hit really hard. So hopefully sometime in the next year, we'll be able to show those. I'm not really sure at the moment we are pushing for them, uh, but I, I don't know about the Evolux um, as far as a pinpointed time frame at the moment but uh, thanks for asking and as soon as we have something i will be more than happy to talk about it but right now it just don't have a lot of stuff uh let's see oler Senta 9x50 finders had a removable back um with m51 by 0.75 female threads which some made t2 adapters for is the evil guide the same um I'm not sure what the threads on the back tube is. Um, the threading on the back of the focuser is 42 millimeter T threads. So I guess you could disassemble everything. Um, I wouldn't recommend it at all. Uh, but the, that's why the Evo Guide exists, is because it's designed to be a guide scope system without having to mess with anything. So that's kind of where I'm going to stick on that. Um, I know there are some places if you have a standard finder and you want to make it a guider, there are some adapters out there. Um, I think a Gina Astro might sell them, but I don't know that they're compatible with this telescope right here. And I wouldn't recommend disassembling a perfectly good Evo guide to adapt it to something like that. So that's my stance on that. So um, I don't see any other questions in the chat. If you have any questions about products, uh, go ahead and email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, if you have any questions on the webcast um, or just general astronomy questions, uh, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, very appreciative of you guys hanging out with us this Friday morning. And we hope to see you guys back next Friday. That's our SkyX episode. And then at the end of the month, we have Dr. Vishnu Reddy from the University of Arizona joining us. And he'll be talking about satellite surveillance and asteroid detection and what he does with his students um, to, to do that particular field of study. So thanks very much, everyone. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And I think it's New Moon weekend. So get out and go take some pictures and share them with us on social media. But thanks again, everyone. Have a great weekend. Take care and see you guys next Friday.